0: Daddy used to ask, What did you learn in school today? Some good questions to ask are, What did I learn today? What did I improve today? These are good questions in every area of our life, including prepping. We'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way, where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 217. We welcome you to the podcast today, and we want to thank our sponsors, Jim Curtis Knives and also ProLine Digital Group. We'll be talking about them a little bit further on in. We want to talk about learning today. Learning is a process. Learning needs to be intentional and it needs to be ongoing. So many new preppers get discouraged because they want to be up to speed too quickly. We see that all the time on social media and in some prepper forums. You know, that's natural, but there are ways to deal with that. So we've gone back and we've re-edited an episode from 2021 that we believe will help you, whether you are a new prepper or an experienced prepper. It will also help in other areas of our lives. Learning is a process. Let's talk about that.
1: A lot of you, especially newer listeners, don't know our background. Krista and I were high school sweethearts, went separate ways, separate marriages, reconnected some 40 years later and have been married now just over six years. And Krista, as I have, has worn a lot of hats. And one of those hats was a business owner. She was in business for 30 years. Also, she was in the music business. She is a professional musician, singer, songwriter, recording artist, TV host. Am I leaving anything out?
0: I mean, reading it sounds more impressive than it. It really was. But I did have a lot of wonderful opportunities over the course of my life, particularly in the last probably 30, 35 years, where the professional aspect of my performance and writing really took on a whole new life of its own. And I was able to form my own music company and tour and sing and write and record and work alongside some of the finest artists and musicians that are working today, primarily in the Southern Gospel music industry notably quite a few of these people if not all of them are associated in some way with the bill gaither and the gaither homecoming group i've never personally met bill gaither but i have shared the stage with gloria gaither at a conference i've done many ladies conferences where i've been either the keynote speaker or the performing special guest artist lots of wonderful opportunities i'm very grateful and humbled by all the many different things that i've been able to do
1: And if you would like to hear some of Krista's music, quite a bit of it is original music that she wrote and recorded. Uh, Go to YouTube and just search her name, Krista with a K, K K-R-I-S-T-A, Lawley, L-A-W-L-E-Y, and you'll be able to find her music there. Now, you grew up in a musical family.
0: I did. My father was a self-taught musician. From East Tennessee, he taught himself how to play the fiddle, the guitar, the piano, the mandolin, the banjo. I I can't think of anything else. I think he played harmonica, too. But he mostly excelled in singing and playing fiddle and piano. Mm -hmm. And he he taught me a great deal. Before I even had piano lessons, he was able to teach me a
1: lot. Well, what I I find interesting, and, and I'll ask it this way. What was it like for you at five years old? To be able to sit down at a piano and instantly play the old classics, Bach, Chopin.
0: I didn't play those when I was five years old.
1: You didn't do this instantly? No,
0: of course not. I couldn't have possibly done that. I used maybe one or two fingers at most when I was five. I I had the interest and the desire to play piano. I certainly had the interest to sing, but when it comes to piano, I didn't sit down and instantly play any classics. I mean, anything I played, I had to learn.
1: So it was kind of like take a lesson each week, I guess, and then between lessons, you had things to practice, and you practiced that, and then you went back and learned something else, and then you practiced, and then you went back and learned something else.
0: Kept building on everything that I learned.
1: You were learning as you went.
0: Absolutely. I I can't think of anyone that's done it. No artist has sat down and instantly performed their art.
1: And I use use that just to to bring us in to, to this, that sometimes when new preppers think that they ought to be up to speed when they get started, they get frustrated. They think that they should be way ahead of where they are. Or they think that this is an easy thing that I can accomplish in a week or two?
0: You know, I think a lot of new preppers, maybe new anything, there may not be as much patience nowadays. Because there is a more instantaneous lifestyle. You know, you and I have joked that people pace in front of the microwave. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's just a less patient faster pace, it seems like to me. And maybe that's where the frustration comes from. A lot of preppers feel like, oh, I've done this for 24 hours. I should be further ahead. I should <laughs> m- know more things. I've, I've, I've devoted an entire day to this already. Well, you know, why aren't I at ex- le- You know, advanced class level? And I said, because you just haven't had the time.
1: Right. Because <laughs> it is a learn as you go right. process.
0: It's a step by step.
1: And so tonight we're going to be talking about learning as you go in life as well as in prepping. One of the things that we want to do is to strive to improve each time we do something, whether it's in prepping or whether it is in any area of our life.
0: Absolutely. And try to seek to increase your prepping knowledge regularly. And a lot of times that comes from researching different sources, internet sources, Hardcover, paperback cover sources, look for some authors, some writers, articles, magazines, podcasts, online, television. There's a a limitless supply of resources for you to begin to glean Mm -hmm. uh, either in general or in a specific area.
1: And it doesn't take a long time, but now be careful. You have to weed through some of this stuff. I've I've seen crazy answers in some of the social media sites where somebody says, "I'm brand new to prepping. I don't have a lot of money. What do I need to do?" And the particular one I'm thinking of, the answer was, "You need to buy five acres in the middle of nowhere."
0: Yeah, and some and like plutonium detection, the, and that's a little the, over the top. This
1: person just told you they're on a very <laughs> limited budget, and they're so. beginning. They're beginning, so just start with food and water, mm-hmm. things that you know you can and will need at some point in time. You also need to work to improve your prepping
0: skills. Now, when you say prepping skills, what are we talking about?
1: Fire starting, water filtration.
0: Cooking without electricity. Cooking
1: without electricity. Um, any, bu-
0: building a shelter.
1: Any of those, any of those types of things, prepper skills, and a lot of times you can find some of these skills on YouTube, and it's a good place to do that. You know, if we just improve one percent per week, we'll be fifty-two percent better at the end of the year.
0: That's good math, right there.
1: Mm-hmm. I got my calculator out and did it. And if we improve three percent per week, we're going to be a hundred and fifty percent improved after a year.
0: Wow, that's better than perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Back in the day, if you had a business, you put an ad in the phone book and maybe the newspaper. When a prospective customer wanted what you did or sold, they would look you up in the yellow pages and give you a call on the landline. Well, that's not so anymore. In fact, if customers are under the age of 30, they may not even know what a phone book is. Today, everyone goes to the Internet looking for information before they buy. Even those of us who grew up with the phone book are going to the internet before making buying decisions. In the 1990s and early 2000s, it was enough to have a website that told people your name, what you did, where you were, and your phone number. They looked you up and gave you a call. Websites were relatively easy to build and they were all pretty basic. But they were websites and we had a presence. Not so today. Prospective customers. Want to go to your website, find your product or service, read about it, compare it to others, then order it and pay for it online. If your business doesn't have a high quality, very professional website, I can guarantee that your business is losing sales that you could otherwise be making. You need a professional website designer and builder, and you need good, reliable hosting. ProLine Designs built the website for our latest book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It's a beautiful site, and it has sold a lot of books. ProLine Designs is now building our rebranded practical prepping website, which will include a blog, forum, articles, books, and items to purchase, as well as our podcasts. ProLine Designs also hosts our websites at lower cost than any other comparable company we found. That's value. And their reliability? Well, we have never experienced a website outage. That's reliability. ProLine Designs. Jim Curtis Knives. Handcrafted, unique, heirloom-quality knives and blades. These high-quality knives are available at reasonable prices, and they're made right here in Alabama. You can purchase a Jim Curtis knife one of two ways. First, you can design your own. Your blade style might be a 3-inch EDC knife, or perhaps a 4-inch skinning knife, a 6-inch Bowie knife, or a shape that you have always wanted. You can also pick your steel. Alabama Damascus makes a beautiful art-quality knife, or high-carbon steel, which holds a very fine edge. You can pick your handles. They can be made from wood, bone, paracord, micarta, and there's lots of colors and options. Secondly, you could select a knife already pre-made by Jim Curtis. You can see some of the options posted on his Facebook page. Contact Jim Curtis and see what else he has available. All Jim Curtis knives come with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two Band-Aids. Yes, they are that sharp. Jim Curtis knives. Find him on Facebook. He'll be linked in our show notes and on our website. You know, we need to understand that we're going to make mistakes. I think it would just be remiss if we didn't just acknowledge that from the most advanced, the most skilled and experienced prepper you can think of right now down to the newbie that's just starting today, every one of us is going to make a mistake. It's inevitable. Accept it. It's going to happen.
1: And I'll confess to the mistake that I made. This is the second time that we've recorded this podcast because the first time we recorded it,
0: we didn't record
1: it. Somebody did something wrong. and, and <laughs> oh, I won't tell done. you
0: his name, but his initials are <laughs> Mark Lawley.
1: <laughs> and what I th- now think that I did, because I have tested to make sure that it is recording and that it is writing to the card and everything, and I think that it is possible that I may have disengaged the card before the file had been written.
0: Well, just let me give you your own advice, and that is to not fear that failure, but to learn from any mistakes that are made. In fact, I think when they say experience is the best teacher, I think that experience is another word for, oops, I made a boo-boo, I made mm -hmm. a mistake. And I'll tell you, I've learned from my mistakes.
1: I didn't fear the failure of recording. I feared telling you that we didn't have it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he kind of tiptoed into the bedroom and he said, um... Got something I gotta tell you, and I'm like, uh huh. What do you gotta tell me? He said, "You know that podcast we just did for about an hour." I said, "Hmm." He said, "Well,
1: we got to redo it. It didn't record." Okay, so do not fear failure or making mistakes unless you're a bomb disposal technician.
0: Yeah, that's that's you don't want to make a mistake. So remember Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. I think most everybody in America and fact around the world probably he's, knows he's Thomas the guy Edison that did
1: the light bulb thing.
0: Do you know that he said he has not failed, he just found 10,000 ways that won't work? I mm-hmm. mean, this guy was committed. He was dedicated to his craft, and he, he worked on it and worked on it thousands and thousands and thousands of times until he got the right elements. So learn from the mistakes. you got to ask yourself, what went wrong? Or maybe what went right as well? What can we do better the next time?
1: Even if it went very well. How can we do it better? Let's Mm -hmm. improve 1%.
0: You can also learn from the mistakes that other people make, Mm -hmm. which is really the way I prefer doing it, to be honest. What did they do wrong? What could they have done to avoid the mistakes? What did they learn from the mistake? What can I learn from their mistake? And I can sometimes get those resources, again, from podcasts and videos, books and magazines.
1: Somebody listening to this tonight may have learned, don't eject the card until the file has completely written. You very can learn smart. from my
0: mistake. Very smart.
1: But you can you can find, and a lot of podcasters are very open about the mistakes that they have made. And especially in prepping, we'll tell you the early mistakes we made. And, you know, we did an episode on things we wish we had known when we started prepping not mm-hmm. long ago. Right. And there's some mistakes in there that you can learn from. Now, another thing is to try doing old things in new ways. And we're not reinventing the wheel here.
0: No, we're just looking for some improvements, little improvements in our systems or our procedures. For example, resource out and experiment with better ways to inventory your food storage or your water storage, or maybe something like a rainwater collection system, that there may be a way that you can improve on an original idea. That, that's how ideas mm-hmm. happen in this world. You start over here and you just keep improving it and it winds up over there in a much more improved state.
1: And remember that we can learn something from everyone.
0: Sometimes you can learn what to do and you can learn how to do it from someone else. You can also learn what not to do and how not to do the things that they have done because they just either won't work, is a bad idea, is not a complete system, is not efficient or accurate.
1: And then the next thing is you can do what some call a hot wash or a post mortem or an after action of an event or a practice and make notes from that.
0: I'll tell you that Hurricane Ida slammed into Louisiana and up through Mississippi and we got the outer bands of it. We had quite a bit of rainfall, a lot of wind, and there are people right now that are asking these questions. Now that Hurricane Ida has slammed in and has now, you know, deteriorated, they're dealing now with what the What happened that we did right? What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What went wrong? What went right?
1: Sometimes you can't control every circumstance or situation.
0: Oh, certainly not. You can just, all you can do is your best.
1: What went wrong may have been something that you could have done something about, and maybe it wasn't. But you collect that information, and then you analyze that information, and you develop a plan for making things better. And really, the some of the folks that are only involved in the hurricane up to the actual landfall, they're already doing these after-action studies and reports and things like National Weather Service. They're not really involved with it once it's done. Then it's folks like disaster relief, NGOs and such that come in, and faith-based organizations that help after the event with the recovery. And they'll still be some period of time down the road doing theirs. But everybody will go through that after-action report or study. And, you know, we actually did this after our camping trip in May. We told most of you that we went and spent three nights in the woods in the Talladega National Forest in a tent. And it had been Krista's first time tent camping away from her backyard as a little girl. So it was a new experience for her and we started looking at what we did right what we did wrong what went wrong and we fixed some of those issues and as we've mentioned before we're now taking the full-size propane heater every time because you just never know when it may drop to 42 degrees uh, at night yeah
0: that caught us by surprise that
1: caught us by surprise (sighs) we've taken a little bitty heater And it was not an indoor safe that we could run every night. It's one that I actually have in a backpack for using in a shooting house while deer hunting. And the other thing was the first morning we were there, I don't know what it looked like with two of us trying to get out of the bed.
0: We had an air mattress and we put it on the floor of the tent. So it was about 10, eight or ten. It's ten
1: inch tall. So we
0: had we had it just flat on the, the tent floor. But, you know, we're not used to rolling out and hopping up. We don't do that at home. We sit up in our on our bed and we stand up like regular people, but in the tent. I found out that I had to literally roll like a burrito out onto the floor and crawl over to the cooler and 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 struggle to sit up, pull up on that and then reach over for a chair that was inside and pull up on that. And I realized it's because I can't just hop up off the floor. I you know, I'm not I'm not a kid. We're in our 60s. We may not sound like it, but we we definitely feel like it on a 42 degree morning in a tent. So we've we had a little exit plan, little exit notes when we were coming home. We said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do differently. When we come back next May to camp in the Talladega National Forest, we're taking our indoor rated Mr. Heater and it's going to be cranked up and we're going to be and we're also going to have our mattress on a frame that's elevated so that we can sit on our mattress and not have to fall on it.
1: I think it's 24 inches, and then you put a 10-inch mattress, air mattress on top of that. And if that's not enough, they make them up to 22 inches as far as air mattresses, yeah. and we can have one delivered to the house. So,
0: But otherwise, I enjoyed camping very much.
1: But the whole point of it is that we did that, what did we do right, what did we do wrong, and we probably have a few more things to, to correct there. But when you want to commit to the learning process, you know, everything that we do is a learning process, and we learn more today than we knew yesterday, and we need to learn something every day, even if it's a useless tidbit of a fact, you know. You never know. You, you never when know. When
0: that little useless tidbit may become quite useful and absolutely worth its weight in gold.
1: Well, I mean, even trivia questions, just as an example, there's there's a lot of things that you can do there. I've heard a tidbit of a fact on a podcast, and that led me to research for probably over an hour in that particular area, and so I learned a lot more about that particular subject, and, and it wasn't prepping, but. It's just something that caught my attention. I wanted to know a little bit more, so I learned a little bit more about it.
0: I'll tell you something I learned recently. Did you know, and I didn't, and I shared this with you, did you know that in the United States of America, more individuals lose their lives due to heat-related illnesses or events than any other kind of, natural disaster for example the fact is that over 600 people per year die as a result of heat related problems Mm -hmm. we had a podcast recently where we were talking about how to shelter yourself shield yourself from the heat how to control it how to know the signs if you're in trouble if you're in a if you're having like a a heat related sunburn and then all the way up to heat stroke which can be fatal mm-hmm. when as we learn so the more people die because of heat so that should tell me that should tell all of us to be very very wary of any kind of situation where we may become overheated or in a situation where heat is a problem
1: and I knew there were a lot of heat related deaths, but I did not know that it was the number one natural disaster type death.
0: Mm-hmm. More kind than, of weather related And, and I saying. know
1: that that varies. Uh, you know, you can have so many more people killed by a hurricane in one particular year than you do in heat related injuries that year. But by and large, on average, there are more heat related mm-hmm. deaths than any other.
0: Um, I mean it's a sad fact, but it mm-hmm. is it is indeed a fact, and in fact, it's one of those realities that there will be years we don't have a single hurricane make landfall, so we'll have no hurricane death, but we'll still have heat-related mm-hmm. death. So I'm just saying that to warn our listeners that please be hyper-aware of any type of heat-related, weather-heat-related situation that you may be in in whatever country or province or nation that you find yourself. Take steps to protect yourself. It it sneaks up on you, mm-hmm. and it can render you helpless before you can even help yourself. So be very, very watchful about that. And that
1: is something to read up on. Uh, Go and read up on the differences between heat stroke and heat exhaustion. And you can find that, again, as we were talking about, and, and I advocate just reading something every day. Become a student of life. And you can do that with books, journals, websites, all kinds of articles, magazines, even forums and groups. If you filter through that, you know there's a lot of clutter in there. But watch or listen to something once or twice a week. I'll pull up a podcast almost every day, and i listen to a wide variety of those. I'm listening to a set now that are the history of the old, well, what I listened to today was the early history of the Texas Rangers. And it was so interesting with with how that came to be and going through the battles and how their people became what they are. And this is, I think, one coming up on Billy the Kid. And these are hour-long podcasts that go very deep into a particular subject or per- particular personality in the Old West. Now, we listen to a lot of podcasts, especially while we're driving. And when we're making a long trip, traveling, we'll often listen to a few of those and discuss those afterwards. And we pick up tidbits or new ideas every time we do that.
0: So in recap, we just like to remind you to learn as you go, not just for prepping, but in life in general as well, and apply the things that you learn to your life. Don't fear mistakes. You're going to make them. Learn something from them. What value will they be in your life? Figure out what you did right and figure out what you did wrong. Try doing old things in new ways like fire starting, water filtration, how to build a shelter, how to cook without electricity, those types of things or any other skills that you can think of. Commit yourself to the learning process. If you just try to learn something new each day, just imagine how much more fruitful your thinking will be and how much more prepared your mind and your thoughts and your household will be when you just learn something every day and share the things that you learn. Do these things. You will be light years ahead down the road.
1: And we appreciate you being with us. And we'll see you next time.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.